So um, this morning, uh, President Maxwell is uh, preaching, and uh, so come on up, Mark. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, but just before we do that, we just uh, together as a student body as well as staff, we just want to say we just want to say thank you for your love and care and for the commitment that you have as our president and leader. We're grateful for to God for you. Thank you. Please join me as we pray. We thank you so much, Father, for the gift of your Holy Spirit given to us. Thank you that he empowers us to be witnesses for you. Thank you that he is the one who comes alongside of us to encourage, to help, and to counsel. Thank you that he teaches us the deep things of God. Father, again today, we need the filling of your Holy Spirit. Help us not to resist or quench him. Help us to surrender and allow him full access to do whatever he would like in our own individual lives and in our lives together as the community here at Prairie. We thank you together for Mark. We thank you for... Uh, the work that you are bo doing both in him and through him. We pray for him and his family and that you would give them him great wisdom in his leadership. And this morning, we pray that you would anoint him for breaking the word to us. And we ask that our hearts would be ready and responsive to what you want to say and give us obedient hearts to follow after you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Glenn. I'll let you take that. That way I won't drop it. I love that guy. As we all do, don't we? Yeah. Give it up. Well, we've had a, I think, good series. I would admit that it had a bit of a stutter step and a slow start and a couple different missteps, but uh, it seemed that we got into it and then we hit this back part. So the first semester this year, we focused on being alive in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So we called it Alive in the Acts of the Holy Spirit or something like that. And then we turned the corner and decided we hadn't exhausted the topic. By now, I'm sure we have. Uh, and uh, we took a look at the rest of the epistles to say what did they have to say about being alive in the Holy Spirit. So that's been this semester, just to sort of recap. And here I am um, trying to put sort of a, a little period at the end of it, and that's really all it is. Or it's really a dot, dot, dot. May this learning and this journey for each of us never end as we learn more and more about this deep well that's available to us this deep well that we can draw on. As I um, prepared, I, I had this enormous privilege of going through and listening to all of the messages uh, in this semester. Um, you'll remember that James kind of kicked the ball down the field at the beginning, um, 
And I think that, you know, there are many, many things that he said, and, and each of the different speakers said many, many things, and I would encourage you to, I would invite you to go back and listen to different ones. Uh, but I remember hearing James say that Jesus comes to all of us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit mediates Jesus to us. I had thought that Acts at Pentecost was this turning of, of historical significance, and um, so it was going from sort of the era of the God of love in the Old Testament to Jesus, the Lord and King, um, and then we turn the corner, now we're into the era of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's an okay, albeit simplistic, uh, summary. But so, so I did a page flip of the epistles to say, what, does the whole, what are the, the, the various teachings of the Holy Spirit in the epistles? Just to make, this was while I was formulating the, the series. And I was surprised at how much Jesus kept showing up. And then I understand it, that the Holy Spirit came to earth, sent by the Father and sent by the Son to mediate Jesus to each of us. Suddenly, Jesus was no longer a man limited in time and space, now universally available. We are, in my words, Jesus unlimited, each of us. Wow. Because of this Holy Spirit. I did a, a thing on what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit because I, I knew I'd missed at least one major teaching that he had, and that was that Jesus, the Holy Spirit is like a, a river of living water flowing through each of us, and that is God's plan, that we as temples and we as the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the, of the living God, were channels for this Holy Spirit to flow to others. Suddenly, we are priests in that way. Ray Yo talked about the spirit of sonship. That's so important. Principle, understanding that we're actually adopted we are now family, like Christ, sons of the living God. Whoa, do we get it? I don't know. I doubt it. That's why it's a dot, 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 the continuing story. But adoption, he said it was not like a gas refill. We don't need to go back and refill. We just need to keep flowing, right? It is transforming. It is a new heart. God is our Father. Just like Jesus had him as his father. We get that because we're adopted into that family. Glenn talked, to, I thought Glenn's message was just remarkable um, in this whole run of, of different excellent messages. But the community of the Holy Spirit, the church is all powerful. Evidence of the living God is that we as his church, we as the body of Christ, are powerful, we're tangible, we're beautiful, we're uniting, we're generous, we're loving. It is the nature of God that shows up when we're living and walking with this Holy Spirit here among us. And yes, James pointed out that um, the kingdoms of earth are threatened by our message. But they don't need to be. We need to be invitational to them. And if they choose not to align with us, that's okay. We don't have to try and change them. We just have to be faithful in our spot. That's my little addition. Ralph Corner, I think, uh, if I were to pull it all into one sentence, I think he would ask, are we willing to give God freedom? Are we willing? Fullness of the Holy Spirit is the amount of freedom we give to him to invade our lives 
in every way. Justin talked about the spirit of resurrection. He talked about their spiritual resurrection. So important. It's a cosmic, the conquest of the evil empire. It's a physical, and he talked about his own story with cancer, resurrection, the healing. And it's an emotional resurrection, the healing of a broken home and family, and God puts it back together. In fact, God wants to use those for his glory. And he will, and he can. Every one of us have stories of pain. And it's his resurrection coming into our lives and changing us that allows us to enjoy the fruit of those painful times to help others who also are walking and living in pain. Casey Wong, Glenn, I'm so glad you brought him. Praying in the Spirit. Excellent message from one of our own alumni coming back. He said, pray when you want to do something for God. Pray in the Spirit when you're confused. Pray in the Spirit when there's a problem that is too large. Pray in the Spirit when you're available. And pray in the Spirit when you're successful. It is great misery to succeed without God. And it's even greater misery to succeed, to, to fail without God. We have this joy that's available to us. And we have no idea of the amount of joy that is available to us when we will submit our lives to Him. Rich talked about, Rich Cow talked about hearing the Spirit. I thought he had a couple of interesting phrases. The will of God is to put His Spirit on all the people, on every person. That's the will of God. This is God's will as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. The burden of God is that we would hear His voice and so become His prophetic priestly people on earth. There is no greater delight than to communicate and commune with God. Kelly talked about the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and in his great wisdom, he delivered the shortest message of all. I am challenged to rise to that level. Kelly, I hope we're done in time to finish with a song, because I love these guys who do the music for us, so we're, we're planning on being done in time to have, finish with a song. But he talked about um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom illuminating our needs, mediating the presence of Jesus who the Holy Spirit gives to us generously. Kevin talked about freedom, freedom from addictions, owning our addictions honestly so that we can move out of them with God's power. Not by our power, but by His. And we need to ask Him for that deliverance as well. I wanted to turn today to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, all we're going to do is a walk through this uh, excellent chapter. Some of you know it, it happens to be uh, one of our daughter's favorite verses is here in the latter part of 2 Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Such an important uh, verse, such an important principle for us to understand. But I wanted to, to look at this and say, this is a, a, a sample of the greatness of, of God that He wants to put on us. He wants to empower us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to be opening doors for us. I've gotten so that I watch every day for something that God might be doing around me in my story or in the stories of, of people around me. Just this morning, I, I you know, was sort of walking through my notes this morning and I 
I uh, thought, oh, I've got a typo. I want to change something in this PowerPoint. And I went to look at it, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to send it to Matt. I have to correct and, and make sure that the right one gets up there. And then I looked in my outbox. I forgot to hit send last night, right? So, um, you know, I was able to make the correction, then hit send, and then walk over here and, and make sure that he had received it because the, the Internet is a little bit slower here. Some of you might have noticed. Um, <laughs> um, so I, you know, even that little thing, I think was God in his own way. I don't get worried when plans change. Because, you know, if, if we believe that God is in it, and if we believe that we've committed our lives to him, why would we worry when someone walks in and tells me that they're going to resign? That's okay. You know, it's not like we want to necessarily for them to leave. Some, some we do. Um, but, but it's not like we're trying to manage God. The greatest risk that we have is that we limit God. Do we, in our lives, limit Him in His access to ourselves? Do we limit Him in what He's allowed to do around us? Do we The answer is yes. The answer is Yes. And we need to unlimit God so that he can be unlimited in our lives. This is empowered. You are on what I might call hallowed ground as we walk through it. We are on hallowed ground. We're also on dangerous ground. Because it's, it's a bit like walking to, let's say, the edge of a cliff with a hang glider on our, on our back and, and looking over the cliff. And someone says, well, here's how it works. And then... And then uh, we, we, we understand, and then we watch other people do it, and we go, wow, that's cool. That's really cool. And then we walk away. That's not good. Oh, no, his plan is for us to sail. His plan is for us to jump off that cliff with the hang glider. <laughs> not into all of you people who want to do base jumping. Let's that's, that's just stop that. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, the exhilaration of sailing in a hang glider out over a cliff is ours to enjoy. The exhilaration of sailing out over the ocean on a hang glider, knowing that there is a current that will bring us back, is ours to enjoy. This is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. The, the risk of all of us in this room is that we know it. And that's not enough. In fact, the other risk is that we believe it. And that's not enough. We have to live it. We have to jump off the cliff. And what a shame to walk away from the edge of that cliff with that hang glider still on our back. Yeah? Now we got this burden we got to carry around. It's like, that's not what it's for. God wants us to sail over the oceans. He wants us to sail out over the cliffs. He wants us to do the dangerous for him. This is our invitation today. So let's take a look at this chapter. You're going, he's never going to get done. Um, oh, I want to tell you one more story about every day. So every day, I'm looking for something, you know, that, that God is, is moving around me. So last week, I think it was Thursday, Elaine comes in. She's, she's um, kind of ecstatic might be the word, but not necessarily. Um, but she's really amazed at something that has just happened. We had uh, put money for, uh, we, we had set up an account for, for students who are immig immigrating here to come to school. So foreign students. And now the way the law works is you're supposed to have a separate account for that money for it to go in there. And then you hold it on the side until they have come, and that becomes the, the security for, uh, you know, whether or not they can pay. Uh, and it helps with immigration approving visas. 
Um, we opened that account. She opened that account. And um, after 18 months, there had been no foreign students come, so there had been no money in it, and the, the bank closed the account. Well, it's not that big a deal, right? You can open it up again. And then a student came, and, and we put the money into our own regular bank account. That's offside, a little bit. Um, now, our, our bank accounts are audited, so we do have an independent auditor who looks through and makes sure that what we say is true. So you could say it's being monitored by a, an, a third, an arm's length third party. Um, but technically, we were offside, okay? And she and Douglas and Doug, maybe, were in a, in a meeting trying to figure out how to get through this, and there were various levels of, of anxiety over what we're offside, and, you know, we might be, get our hands slapped by Alberta Higher Ed or whoever it is. So um, Elaine kind of figured out a couple of things, and then her advice was, well, let's wait a day, and then let's call Alberta Higher Ed just to talk about it and see. But let's, let's see if we figure out anything else. You know, maybe there's a way to get that money back over here and get it on site. And uh, Douglas was quite sure, no, no, I, I just have to deal with this. So he, he picks up the phone and he calls. And a person on the other end of the phone says, is Douglas here? Skipping. Oh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> person on the other end. What was the first name of the person on the other end of the phone? Caleb. Caleb answers. Well, Douglas knows everybody in Alberta, at least everybody who went to Prairie, right? And he goes, Caleb. I'm not actually saying that Caleb went to pray. Um, but, uh, and he's, he kind of heard the name, and he kind of put it together, and he goes, is there any chance your father worked at Rocky Mountain College? Yeah, yeah, that was my dad. And your mother was the registrar there? Yeah, yeah, that was my mom. Well, by now, we, you know, had that thing glued, right? We can do almost anything illegal now. <laughs> Only two problems, Douglas and Elaine. They won't let us. Um, but, um, you know, at that point, we've got a friend in the right place. You do not manage that kind of thing, right? And it's crazy not to give God the credit for it, right? So, um, Douglas says, you know, we've got this thing, da 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 and the guy's basically saying, yeah, actually, you know, we'll figure it out, and it'll be fine, and, and just send in the report. And in fact, it is a separate account of a sort, and it is monitored of a sort. So, you know, I think technically we could skate on site, or technically we could be off site, and it depends on who is on the other end of that phone, on whether or not you're going to be on or off site. Because there's a judgment call on the person who's reviewing your account. Anyway, that's I, almost every day. The other thing that's interesting is I listen for what God might want to say when someone walks into my office. So they walk in, they're telling me about something, and to them it might or might not be a big deal. Might be, huge, uh, might not be. But I'm listening for what will God want to say to me through this person. It's not always true that God speaks through every person. So don't feel that kind of pressure. But it's very, very often when someone walks in and I'm listening going, hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm here. And I especially hear this from Elaine. She'll walk in and she'll just throw something out. And I'm going, okay, now that is a really good idea. Let's go there. Okay, let's get into this 2 Corinthians 3. We are, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, we are living letters. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? 
to, to, to give us our credentials. No, 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 no. You yourselves, you, our students, we, our staff and faculty, our letters, we are the living letters written on our hearts. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. As you go out, you are the best testimony of what's going on at Prairie. You're also the best testimony of the work that God can do. You carry with you this amazing story. It's not a burden. It can be. Maybe it's like that hang glider. But it's not a burden if you get it and take the jump. You show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You are the living letters. Your walkabout gospels. You are the story that God wants to tell about what he wants to do, written by the Holy Spirit on tablets of human hearts. So let's be sure that we tell stories that are worth reading. Let's give it up for God and say, we're just in. Then he carries on. I think, you know, there are different ways of, of di dissecting this chapter. But I think, actually, it's one message that's just being repeated in different ways, a bit like some of the Psalms also. But I think this is sort of a poetic approach to what is this story? And so we're going to look at three different ways of, of how this one message is given. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. We, our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our degrees. Our confidence is not in, in our you know, smarts or ability to, to, to speak eloquently. No, no, no. Our confidence is in what Christ can do, what the Holy Spirit can do in us with the power of God that's released in us. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. That's all. We are all powerful. That was, I think, the main message that kept coming through this whole semester. We, are, we have all the power of God available to us. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. We are ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We are grounded in the love of God. If we have any other motivation in the work that we're doing, whatever it is, driving truck or uh, standing at the front and speaking, if we have any other motivation than love, we should step back away from whatever it is we're doing and take a deep dive into the love of God. We're grounded in His love, and that is our springboard for all of our work. We're bringing light. We're producing life. I think those are the three tests of the work of God or the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Does it bring life? Does it show love? Does it enlighten? And if it doesn't, if it's shutting people down, if it's causing grief, we probably need to step back and think about it. We might be badly motivated, but when it's with God, it is His love that's at work within us. The question that I had there was, do people thrive around me? I have this picture that love is the foundation of all that we do, and out of it comes light that produces life, either in ourselves or in the people around us. This is a great test of whether God is alive in us. I've actually toyed with this. I, I think I'm too much of a layperson to be able to get away with this, and so maybe I can, and, and it's not academic. But I've wondered if this might be 
a picture of the works uh, of God in his trinity. The love is the, the love of the Father. The light comes to us through Jesus, who is the light of the world. And the life that comes out of it is the work of the Holy Spirit around us. But that's just me sort of teasing you to see if you might uh, want to chase that down. I think there's something in that. But without any doubt, this is a picture of the way God works. And we are these conduits of his love, his light, bringing life. Then we carry on in 2 Corinthians 3. Now, if the ministry that brought death, this is the law, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Jesus because of its glory, even though it was transitory. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Um, I, I talked about this one time where I put a candle up here and, lit, and we turned off all the lights and you could see the, the law. But then we turned on all the lights and you could hardly see the law, right? This is like the new covenant, illuminating things. The law is still there and it's still real and it's still true. But the new covenant is so much greater because we have freedom from that the, the, our own efforts to keep the law. So we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Imagine, as, as Moses was being given the law, as Moses was being given the law, he was, his face was shining. You can imagine not just a glowing face. I'm imagining something much, much brighter. If it, was, if it hurt your eyes, imagine looking at the sun. I think it's more like that than just a glowing face. And he put a veil on it, and I thought originally it was so that it wouldn't hurt the eyes. You know, you put the sunglasses here. Um, but in fact, it was, according to Paul, it was to hide the fact that the light faded. Well, that was symbolic. It was important to understand that there will be a new covenant coming, which will not fade, which will be so much more glorious. Will not the ministry of the Spirit. So we've got first the ministry of a new covenant, the same thing, I think, is the ministry of the Spirit. You could call it a subset. I don't think so. I think it's just there's the ministry of the new covenant, which is the ministry of the Spirit. Will it not be even more glorious? This is our, we're the carriers of this ring. We're the carriers of this story. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? That's the third equal point. The ministry that brings righteousness. We have a great mission before us. And we have all the power we need. We just need to sit down and let God, right? Let him take the lead on everything. We, st we, st we still have to work hard. Um, but he'll, he'll guide us. He'll show us. He'll open the doors. He'll close the doors. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what is transitory came with glory, how much, more great, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? This new covenant is the lasting covenant. So we come to the Father through Christ. That's the only way to get to the Father. And the love of the Father is there for us. So we do a deep dive through Christ into this grounding love of God. We get life and power from that love. We come back through Christ to get life and power from the Holy Spirit. And the Almighty provides the glow 
and the girl. We have everything we need. Finally, we have the ministry of, that brings righteousness. This is that third one that I just mentioned. It's a message of surpassing glory, a message of understanding through Christ, and a message of freedom. Let's read those verses. A message of surpassing glory. That's back up a little bit. For, the, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. Oh, may God open our eyes and give us understanding, yeah? It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. To this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And this is our, the source of our strength. This is the source of our living water. This is the source of our light. We turn to the Lord and we get stunning understanding. Now the Spirit, now the, now the Lord is the Spirit. So think of those. Okay, now the Lord is Christ, right? Yes. And the Lord is the Spirit. Interesting. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is our invitation. There's been a silent divorce in the uh, church, um, and that is between Scripture and the Spirit. Um, we come from the tradition of the scriptural, and therefore we are better. Um, and then there are others who are sort of on the experiential side. And there's been either the one or the other. Neither is, no, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't do that. It's both. Line them up. We need scripture and we need spirit, right? And that to me is about the most exciting thing of what's going on in the, in the world of, of Christendom, is this convergence of these two groups of Christians, great Christ followers on both sides, tested by the litmus test, tested by the plumb line of scripture, but enjoying this experience there's a convergence that's going on of Scripture and Spirit, of Word and witness. We need both. Of exposition and experience, we need both to have the power of the Almighty flowing through us. That, I would submit to you, is truly following Christ. When you get into some kind of a debate with someone over one or the other, let me invite you to walk away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We still feast at that tree. Sometimes it's just after Sunday morning and we've heard some message and we, we want to strip it apart. Let me invite you to walk away from that banquet table of knowledge of good and evil. And let's just say these are fellow believers with Christ. And we can find so much more in common together rather than div dividing and splitting. You've seen divisions in your home churches. And they've been over the silliest of things, haven't they? This is not the plan. The plan is for us to live together and love one another even when we might disagree with one another. 
There is not a plan for us to trump the other. Here's the other thing. Truth will stand the test of time. You do not have to actually win the argument. You might even win the argument by walking away from the argument. But if there's an argument going on, whatever it is, um, different views of the end of times, uh, you don't have to win. It's not going to change anything. But you can win him over or her over as a friend when you walk away and say graciously, let's see how it plays out. I've got my view, you've got yours. They're probably both equally valid and they're both equally wrong. Let me close in prayer. I want to finish with a song, so I'm going to get out of here by six minutes too. Our Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for this series. We thank you for the eye-opening opportunity of walking with you. Now teach us to fly this hang glider. Teach us to um, not grieve you and not quench your spirit. Help us not to put you in a box. Help us to break the box open so that you can be you. And Lord, of all, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.